0: Everything is in a cycle. So you really have to look at, you know, uh, I I live in just outside Detroit. I am not going to touch Detroit or any city in Michigan with a 10 foot pole. You know, I I do not invest here at all. Why? Because, you know, Detroit is very automotive. You know, you have Ann Arbor, which is a university town. Uh, So all of these pockets are really dependent on one industry. When anything happens in the economy negatively, there's a significant decline. And unfortunately, automotive is in a decline or at least a big three are. You know, there's more and more competition, uh, you know, a lot more moving towards EV. There's, there's just a lot more competition out there and no one's moving to Michigan. Even Ford uh, or like GM, they're building plants outside of Michigan.
1: You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008.
2: Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate investors, we have Hamad Khan on our show today. Ahmad is a former business executive turned real estate investor and syndicator and founder of Hands Off Investments. Before he became a full-time real estate investor, he held several international management roles for uh, multi-billion dollar businesses in his corporate career.
3: What motivated him to make the switch was the realization that investing in real estate earned him more than his high paying salaried positions over time. And at the same time, having two young children further motivated him to make the switch into full time real estate investing. And so through education and introducing a variety of opportunities, his goal is to empower his investors with insight and knowledge so that they can use real estate as a vehicle to also achieve the same financial independence. So I, here we are with Hamad Khan.
2: Hello, Hamad. Uh, thanks for being on our show. I uh, wanted to start off by asking you, maybe take us into your background and, and how you
0: got into the real estate space. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me on this podcast. It's a pleasure. You know, it's great. It's gonna be great chatting with you guys and uh, letting you know a little bit more about me and what I'm doing and my experience. You know, so my my background. I'm coming from the corporate world. Uh, I've been, you know, I've worked for a couple of large uh, Fortune 100 companies, uh, chocolate manufacturers. You know, for the last 13 years, and uh, prior to that, I was in automotive in '08. And you know, for my real estate experience, it really it got ignited in 08. Uh, like I said, I was in automotive, and what happened was with the way the automotive industry got hit at that time, we were a parts manufacturer for you know the Ford, GMs, and everything, and our plant basically got shut down. The stock market took a dive, the stocks for our company took a dive, and a lot of people that I worked with were pretty much within, I would say, five, less than 10 years of retirement. And a large majority of them lost everything they had or close to it. That really set off, you know, in my mind that you just can't rely on your, I'm used to saying 401ks now, but, um, you know, your RSBS or retirement funds or any of that or anything from the government period. You, You know, you just can't rely on that for your future so you really have to take it into your own hands so that kind of set the idea off in my head it wasn't until 2012 until i actually got into real estate uh, i moved out of automotive moved, uh, you know got into consumer goods started working for mars i was there for almost eight and a half nine years and in 2012 i got my first place uh, i always had this idea of you know going and working overseas uh, in national assignments and stuff like that so I always had the end goal in mind, which was, you know, have a bunch of properties fully owned and set up for, you know, my retirement so I can just be collecting the rent checks and live off of that and everything else would just be a bonus uh, that I'd be getting. So what I did was I got a single family bungalow turned into a legal duplex because at that time where the rents were and everything, you're going to barely break even or pay out of pocket, you know, to be living there. So I looked into you know what options i had turning it into duplex was great because i could cash flow so i got got into doing that I'd, you know never even touched the drill or anything along those lines it was a lot of trial and error and learning but you know i'm glad i did that because you know i i, I could do drywall and framing you name it you know i've done everything from toilets to <laughs> insects and uh, you name it So that was a great experience. I I did a bunch more after that, and helped a lot of friends and family as well. Ended up doing a few, you know, from my parents and my brothers as well. So I I learned a lot through that. Uh, But it was always about retirement, right? My goal was go work, become a CEO. It wasn't until I went to Mondelez, I think it was 2017, that. You know, it it was much more senior positions. It was just uh, what I learned. Was it just wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, it just being a CEO wasn't worth it anymore. I'll give you an example. You know, the thing that really set me off was when my second child was born. I was, uh, I had my laptop in one hand. <laughs> Well, my wife was giving birth, right? Um, and I pretty much sleepless nights uh, It would be, you know, whenever my wife needed something, help her and then back on the computer, trying to get some work done because we had a major presentation of senior leadership in a few days. For me that, you know, the realization was it's just not worth it. You know, uh, going to, you know, a relationship with my own dad um, and, you know, I love him. He's a great guy, but I feel like I didn't really have that bond with him because he kind of, he, you know, he worked overseas. So we would be limited how much we saw him every year. And because of that, I felt like we didn't really have the same bond as somebody that, you know, a father would be actively involved with their kids. And that's something I want to make sure I give to my kids. Uh, Right. And that, um, you know, it's funny how having kids and family really changes one's perspectives uh, on life and what's really important. You know, before that, it was all about just, you know, getting the senior leadership position, CEO. And it was never about the money. It was just, I think, uh, you know, the title, prestige and all those things that uh, come with it. So yeah, that you know, and after getting married, my wife uh, was in Pakistan. She was a she was a gynecologist in Pakistan. When she moved to Canada, she had to redo all her board exams and training and everything all over again from the beginning. And fortunately, we got she got a position here in Michigan um, to do her residency training again in internal medicine this time, uh, which really you know gave me an opportunity to start looking at you know what else can I do because I was just over the whole corporate. get part of it when i started looking you know i had extensive real estate experience at this time again like i said it was much more in a silo so i started looking more at you know what else i could do started going to meet up groups and everything and really started to build some connections there and learn about multifamily space a couple years ago and really dove in hard in that space, uh, to the point where you know a year into it, I built strong enough connections that I felt that I could leave my full-time job and focus on that uh, full-time. And that's kind of where I am today, really. It's you know focusing on uh, primarily multifamily right now, real estate uh, syndications. Um, it really, for me, it you know working full-time it really doesn't allow you to do a lot of other things, especially when you're senior-level positions. Basically, you barely have time for your family, let alone think about investments and some other thing. So doing syndications really allows me first to secure my future and you know, leave a legacy for my kids, but also help others do the same thing. You know, because a uh, saying that I heard recently is you can't leave your degree to your kids. Right. So it's, it's not it's about leaving the best possible future for them.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I know you kind of alluded to this, but for our listeners who, who, who didn't quite get it, Hamad is from Canada. He's from the greater Toronto area. Where did you grow up? What part of uh, Um take-
0: So I've actually grown up a few different places. I did live in Mississauga for a little bit. I've worked in a uh, tr- core Toronto area and then I actually grew up in London. Uh, I went to Western and then I lived in, I went to Laurier as well for a post degree. And then, um, I've lived in Waterloo Kitchener uh, for quite a few years. I've lived in, you know, I grew up in London I lived in Mississauga for a little bit as well.
3: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, you know, that, that for our listeners, um, both American and Canadian. What was the reason why, you know, you decided to pursue uh, this model in the U.S. versus, you know, it sounds like like many of our stories, you know, you were doing duplex conversions, smaller rental properties in the Canadian market. But, um, you know, things kind of took off and the trajectory became clearer once you were in the U.S. Do you maybe want to touch on that a little bit for us?
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, uh, I'll say. I was always, so my dad's an engineer, so I've always been fascinated with, you know, buildings and architecture in general. And I would say ever since I was a little kid, I had this thing about, you know, how cool would it be to own one of these buildings or build one of these buildings? But I always had this idea in my mind that, you know, you had to be uber wealthy or an institution or something along those lines to own one of these or build one of these. Um, so I never, I never really thought about it that's as far as my thought went it'd be cool to own one of these but it's you know way out of my reach uh, so when I learned about syndications it's uh you know it it's not very different from my corporate career or even the real estate experience that I have and it's completely doable you know and that's that was the game changer really it was just the mindset that yes you you can do it Right? uh and that really just made me dive deep and build the relationships in the industry and uh, dig deeper into how it's possible
3: yeah i know that's amazing
2: yeah i know that's that's uh inspiring and and you're you know you've come from a a, a really broad background you've lived uh, overseas in asia middle east uh canada and then now finally into the u s uh, so you've you've seen you've seen a lot of uh different businesses, uh, worked for different corporations, and now you're uh, now you're a full-time real estate investor. Was there something specific about multifamily that, you know, you decided, hey, this is kind of what I'm going to focus on? Yeah, um,
0: you know, it just comes down to scale um, and uh, diversification. Uh, the reason I'm focused more on the multifamily, I would say, for now is just A couple of things one that's where majority of my relationships are with larger operators you know utilizing their experience and building off of that um because you know i want to do what i'm best at and that you know i'm a numbers person i can analyze deal i can build relationships um that was you know for the most part what my career was as well what i was doing in the corporate world so i you know And it also allows me then to build relationships with operators that are focused on, you know, Florida or Georgia or, you know, uh, Texas. I don't, because there's no way that I can have all the relationships in all those cities and the states because you need to know the brokers, you need to know the insurance people. you You know, there's so many people that you need to know within that area and the city and the state that it's hard to do all of those and really diversify you know both locations by yourself so that, that's why i'm doing what i'm doing but you know coming back to why multifamily, it's uh you know people need a place to live no matter what even you know say if people say you know housing markets you know in a bubble and we can talk a little bit more about that or my thoughts on that but even if the bubble were to burst what's going to happen people are going to need you know, a place to live once they, you know, have to leave their house. So that's why multifamily, you know, works really well. and It's much more resilient to recession. Now, then you're, you know, getting into whether it's class A, B, C, et cetera. Obviously, class C, you're going to have a lot more trouble. But if you're in your class A and Bs, you're going to be much more resilient to recessions in in that space. And, you know, given uh, everything we're going through, inflation and, um you know, COVID and everything last couple of years, uh, multifamily is just comparatively safer versus, you know, your office hotels, there's a lot more risk in there.
2: Yeah, especially now with what's happening, we've got the increase in uh, in rates. Uh, We've seen the, you know, a a massive decline in the stock market. Like personally, I'm not too heavily invested in stocks myself, but you know, I looked at my stock portfolio just a couple of days ago and it was like, it's been down about 20, 25%. People that are uh, stock investors, they, you know, perhaps they're used to those kinds of declines, but uh, for me, it just hurts every time, you know?
0: and Yeah, I think, you know, um, people that are heavily invested into the stock market talk about, you know, there's going to be ups and down. you have to look at the long term, but Real estate's no different, right? Uh, what I'll say is the only difference is with real estate, you don't have the volatility. It, it, you know uh, ironically it's, it's funny as uh, it was a doctor I was talking to uh, was doing a raise in January and he's like, yeah, you know uh, I just lost a ton of money so I can't really invest right now. let my portfolio recover and then I'll come into the next investment. I'm like, listen. Take your money out right now because he was all in the tech stock, uh, tech stuff. And I I saw this coming, uh, you know, uh, with tech, because one of the things in the corporate world is always about growth, 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 profit, profit, profit. But, you know, one thing that with all these tech companies, a lot of this growth happened because of COVID because everybody was at home. But now with the lockdowns easing and people are able to go out again, you're not going to get the same growth year over year you might maintain the revenues that you had from last year but you're not going to grow it exponentially again year over year when we don't have the same lockdowns and everything you know so i say hey you know i i can't predict the future or anything but don't be surprised if it's going to fall again significantly and that's pretty much exactly what happened you know what i'll say is everything works on cycles and you really have to dig it a little bit deeper. The one thing, even with, you know, single family, something why I'm not in single family is if there's a lot more emotions involved, right? Whereas what we're doing with syndications and multifamily, it's all about the NOI. Uh, you know, it, it's about how much income is the property produced. Again, yeah, you, you, know, you get your, your cap rates and everything else and they compress or increase, but they're still, you know, you can still ride out a storm with, multi-family properties and some of the commercial real estate compared to getting into multi-family where someone, you know, we got into a situation here in COVID where people are, you know, paying 70,000, 80,000, 100,000 over what the actual value of the home is. And now we're even in Toronto, we're starting to see prices drop slightly right with the rate increases and everything. So that's why I never liked the single family side of things. I've always approached it. You know, if you're investing, you should be thinking of it from a business perspective, not, from an emotional perspective, which is the challenge being in a single family space because you're competing with a lot of people on an emotional level because a lot of people, you know, not everyone's there for an investment. A lot of people are there looking for houses to live in. Uh, you know, with COVID lockdowns, now people are looking for, you know, larger spaces, uh, live in spaces, etc. So you're competing with, uh, you know, a lot more people that are driven by different fundamentals than you are as an investor. And, you know, going into Canada versus the US, that's one of the challenges I have with investing in Canada now is your returns are not there. A lot of times when you buy an investment property, you're betting on appreciation and not forced appreciation. You're betting on, you know, natural uh, organic appreciation, which is given where the Canadian market is, I don't see that. Right. Yeah. There's, you know, immigration, all these other things. But um, there comes a point where people can't afford to live anymore and everyone's starting to move into rentals.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that even when we talk about, you know, our transition into the U.S. market, that's one of the most sort of stark differences is that you're actually executing a business plan, right? So when you purchase these properties, there's a business plan in place. And it's an attainable business plan based on the... you know, Fortunately for us, at least the markets that we're involved in, there's, there's favorable uh, landlord-tenant rules that allow you to execute that business plan as well, right? So you have a very predictable business plan that's 100% attainable with the right leadership team. And, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're allowing investors to participate in that business plan. Whereas with the Canadian market and what we're seeing here, you're hundred percent right. Um, unfortunately the oftentimes there isn't a business plan. If there is one, there's so many variables and unpredictability involved, even based on government regulations and, you know, various factors and, and, and the prices are already like the cap rates are, everything's already so compressed that, you know, you're, you're essentially betting. On certain levels of growth, in order to make your numbers even you know make sense
0: yeah, and that's exactly yeah and I, a few things that you touched on there you know what I would say is and i and I brought this up earlier is everything is in a cycle, so you really have to look at you know I, I live in just outside Detroit, I am not going to touch Detroit or any city in Michigan with a ten foot pole you know I, I do not invest here at all, why because you know, Detroit is very automotive. You, know, you have Ann Arbor, which is a university town. Uh, so all of these pockets are really dependent on one industry. Where anything happens in the economy negatively, there's a significant decline. And unfortunately, automotive is in a decline, or at least a big three are. You know, there's more and more competition, uh, you know, a lot more moving towards EV. There's there's just a lot more competition out there and no one's moving to Michigan. Even Ford uh, or like GM, they're building plants outside of Michigan, right? Yeah, they're still investing a little bit here, but not quite the same. So you, you really have to look at where you're going. So I focus a lot more on like Florida, Georgia, Texas, where, you know, the fundamentals work, even if there is a recession, it will fare much better. Because you you mentioned, you know, landlord rates, they're much more business friendly, there's a lot of population growth, because there's a lot of job growth. And there's more importantly, there's job diversity. It's not all dependent on a single industry. So I think, you know, it's important to look at the fundamentals, look at where each market and the property type itself also is in the market cycle. You Mm -hmm. know, is it peaked or is it declining? You know, you look at some like office uh, space. Um, you know, even so looking at office space, for example, if you look at suburban office space, it's, there's a lot more potential there given the COVID situation versus, you know, office space in downtown larger high rises. So it's, you know, whenever you are investing, you really have to look at all of those things. And what I would say is don't just look at the returns that someone presents to you, right? Really dig into the market fundamentals. Does it make sense or not? Where do you see it? in the market cycle and where do you see it in the future
2: yeah but you know especially in the last few years um we've had this you know with everything with any kind of asset stock market with real estate we've had this huge run in prices because of the you know uh, artificial uh, money printing and just trying to sustain the market um, but and interest, now, rates, interest yeah, rates, yeah, and, and of course interest rates driven as well. We've we've now come to a point where you know uh, we cannot just rely on market appreciation. You have to be invested in a good market with good fundamentals, and and that with um, good operator because that's going to be very very important. If you cannot uh, execute the business plan, you know you, you're, that investment is not going to do as well. Uh, I wanted to kind of switch the conversation into you know you were a very high paid professional your your wife currently is as well you know what uh, what was that what made you switch into I needed to diversify you know I cannot rely on this income uh, I know we touched on a few points earlier but you know and why our audience and other people should look at perhaps a passive investment opportunity or. You know, a, a second source of income.
0: Uh, no, absolutely. when you know, the one thing caveat I'll uh, kind of touch on here is my wife will be, uh, you know, a higher earner right now. She's doing her residency, which means she's, you know, might as well be working for free with the number of hours she works versus what she's paid. I think she's what only at like fifty five thousand right now. So, being able to do what I'm doing now. If I was just dependent on my corporate salary, I wouldn't be able to do it right now. I'm able to do this now because I had real estate investments, which I was able to utilize to live off of and be able to survive, you know, for a couple, few years while my wife is doing her residency training, while I'm doing, make you know, making this transition into real estate space. That being said, you know, you you asked me why I would leave that, and again, it it was you know, it's what I touched on earlier. It really being able to spend that quality time with my kids right it you know my wife is crazy busy she can be out of the house like five six in the morning and be back like six seven eight and then uh depending on what rotation she's on she could be doing like a 28 30 hour shift etc so she doesn't really get to be around the kids all that much and if i was to do the same thing we would you know just have kids being raised by tv and to a degree that's what happened during covid right when everything was locked down i was still working full time you know i was working from home so i still had at least the kids around but it was a lot of hey you know you guys here sit in front of the tv let the tv teach you and I gotta go. I have a meeting, or I have work, etc. And I'd be working all day and night because you know in, I'd be in between taking care of kids and working. Um, so it really it came down to you know what's why am I doing all of this? Um, you know, like I said before, I got married, had kids. It was a lot more about you know I just want to be a CEO. What do I need to do to get there? So I you know. Uh, I only work for a couple of consumer good companies, but I spend time in finance, uh, sales, marketing, supply chain to get the broader, you know, uh, cross-functional experience, um, which, which is great now because I get to, uh, you know, utilize that within real estate because it's, all of it is applicable. Uh, but that's kind of just having that mind shift of, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? Sometimes we just, we just get caught up in this rat race and, you know, just surviving in a sense that we forget why we're actually doing this and you know what i'll say is for anyone that's working full-time and you know uh, i I still i would say what i would say is i still love my job i enjoyed what i was doing it was challenging it really kept me on top of my game and um but you can't survive just on a salary Right. Um, Your job can be gone tomorrow. You could have health issues and that could put a stop to it. The goal in life for everyone should be really having passive income coming in, where, you know, whether they're working or not working would be irrelevant. That's the goal. That should be the goal for everyone. And, you know, how do you do that? You talk to people like myself and, you know, we can help you invest passively. The only active Involvement you would have is literally just going over all, you know, the pitch deck, the operating memorandum and everything and making sure, you know, you like the deal. It's up to par with what you're looking for. Um, and then you would have passive income coming in with your investment. So it, it just, you know, in order to have that passive in- investment, you have to invest. Right? Yeah, like, and That should Make, be everyone's goal.
3: Making your rather, money work hard for you.
0: Yeah. It, it shouldn't be about getting a paycheck should be about how can I utilize that paycheck to make it work for me.
2: And basically what we're doing is we're, we're following the model of, of the wealthy, right? They, that's, this is what the wealthy do. They invest in income producing assets that produce passive income. And from that passive income, they can uh, afford to buy luxuries, you know?
3: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's interesting because even people who are equipped to do operations, at some point, we all get to this point where we're like, hey, like, you know, passive income is great. Even if you are an active investor, like we're active investors too. But if we see great passive opportunities, I mean, hey, like, why not, right? You can't do everything yourself. And I think that's the beauty about what people in the US are doing. It's like, hey, like, why would I try to do everything? You know, we can all team together and everybody can get a piece of the pie and we're all making money. And, you know, these, these are beautiful. Whereas in Canada, I feel like, you know, that mindset is not, as prominent yet. It's like most of the people in real estate, they're buying their own assets, right? You're buying single family homes or you're buying small apartment buildings. But there isn't a whole lot of this uh, group investing and uh, more of a passive income coming through, but still having a secure asset, right? You're still... Um, when you're a passive investor in these types of syndications, you're still... You, you, know, you still have a stake in the property. You're still... Exactly. B- equity in the property right and you have uh, you're being backed by an asset you're not just you know giving your money to an institution or something and they're investing it for you so you're still like an owner just a part owner right which is which is great but speaking about all that in the canadian investing thing maybe you can speak to us a little bit which i think would be super helpful for us and our viewers is you know as a canadian investing in the us talk to us a little bit about the hurdles and how we, you know, how we handle those hurdles and and how you've been able to navigate, you know. And and by the way, Hamad is not an American citizen. He's a Canadian citizen, which is amazing for our listeners. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mentioned this before when we're talking, um, you know, I, I am still a Canadian citizen. I'm still a Canadian for all extensive prop. Uh, You know, I live in the U.S., but I still report into Canada for tax purposes. Um, I'm not a non-resident. I'm a resident of Canada still. I'm I'm actually, even though I'm living in the U.S., I'm a non-resident of the U.S. So, it you know, what I had to go through in order to start up my business here and invest here is the same thing. It'd be no different than someone living in Canada. Being here and not a lot of people doing it at the time made it very hard to really find the right resources, you know, the right cross-border specialists that really knew what they were doing uh, in order to help you. Because, you know, the biggest challenge really is just around taxes. Um, Everything else is fairly straightforward. You just come in the U.S., set up an entity, uh, you know, get an EIN number and you're set to go. You can set up an LLC if you want, but the only issue is Canada doesn't recognize LLCs and you're going to end up paying double tax. And this is where, you know, having a specialist and on your team really helps because they can help direct you. Um, You know, if someone uh, does want to talk about that and get more information, they can reach out to me and I can help them there. But really, you know, that's the biggest challenge is just making sure you're structured correctly to invest here. Right. Once you are, then it's fairly straightforward. And it's it's more of a almost a one time uh kind of when you're starting out a challenge. Uh once you get everything set up, it's you know, it's just a matter of reporting after that. Right. And uh then you can also invest in any entities that you want. Now there's other things like If you're working with an operator that's used to working with investors, they can maybe set up an LLP, in which case you can invest directly, etc. But there's very, very few of those Uh, just because, you know, you you mentioned about people in Canada being so ingrained into things. And it's very similar here in the U.S. as well, where people are just so used to setting up LLCs that that's all they know, Uh, which, again, becomes a challenge for anyone investing from Canada.
2: Yeah, you you've uh, touched on a lot of great points and um you know we really appreciate your insight into this stuff because there's not that many people and we are kind of seeing this shift now where more Canadians are looking to invest in the US. Perhaps to uh, talk to us a little bit about your your journey on on what it took to get started in in the the multifamily space uh,
0: uh, in the US side. A lot of things worked in my favor uh to be able to get to where I, I am today. I think I was able to really have you know a very upward slope compared to, you know, other people uh in the industry or someone getting started and COVID had a lot to do with it. Actually I would say COVID had everything to do with it. You know, with uh everything being shut down, everything going, you know, virtual. That really allowed me to network with people all across the country. Uh, you know, so I, I got into the space just before COVID, about I would say four or five months prior, just starting to learn a few things. Uh, I started with Michael Blanc, who's one of the teachers in the space. You can get his courses and stuff, but that's kind of where I started. And once COVID hit, uh, sorry, I'll just go back one second. Um, so. What the plan I had before COVID was I'll go spend some time in, you know, two weeks in Dallas, two weeks in Houston, two weeks in San Antonio and Austin and go, you know, meet all the brokers and, uh, you know, and property managers, et cetera, to build relationships there so I can get deals coming in. Uh, I'll go to maybe two conferences the whole year that I selected would be, you know, where I could learn a lot more. And then with COVID and everything shut down. A lot of people move virtually. So I attended, I, I can't even give you a number, but every single weekend I was on some sort of a summit or seminar for multifamily and uh, commercial real estate. And I can totally yeah, relate it, to that because I used to do the same thing. <laughs> and, and COVID
2: actually helped me because I had the same intentions as you do. It's kind of funny. Uh, my plan was to do the same thing. Start traveling, going to conferences. Everything went became virtual and and actually helped <laughs> helped uh, you
0: you being in attending multiple virtual sessions you know so you know that that uh, more than anything else, that's what helped. And you know for anyone getting into it now, those opportunities are still there, right There's still a lot of online conferences um, you know uh, it, it's a great way to network, build relationships. You know, I was finally able to go to my first large-scale conference in February. Uh, That was, uh, you know, Joe Fairless's best ever. And I did not, it was what, three days long? I didn't spend a single second inside. I was just meeting people that I already knew for the most part. I was outside in the hallways, right? Because... I was able to network so much and get to meet so many people, um, and I still am. You know, and the, you, you mentioned earlier about being active on social media and everything. You really have to put yourself out there so people know you, whether if it's investors or other people in the industry, other operators. The knowing trust is a big component on both sides.
3: Yeah, absolutely. No, and uh, you know uh, th- the big takeaway here is you know you anybody can do it, and it's never too late to bl- break those golden handcuffs, right? Like people think that you were in a super high corporate position and you took the plunge and, and you did it, so uh, that's that's really commendable. And you know just really honing in on your why, right? Your why is you know that your family, your family yeah. and I think that many people resonate with the same messaging. We, you know, we want to have that quality time. Those years are they're so short. They are. The, you know, they, they go by so fast. And before you know it, they're like, you know, we've had some other folks on our podcast telling us like they're they're in their rooms and they don't want to talk to you anymore, right? They're 12, 15, they're out with their friends, right? So those early years, like they're just so important and and you know, you don't want to miss them. You really don't want to miss them. So yeah, I, I, before before we wrap up here, we we you know, I I'm, I'm interested to know sort of how you how do you work on your mindset? I mean, I I can only imagine that you have your challenges, you, you know, you talked to us about your wife and having some some demanding hours, having two young children at home, transitioning out of at this at this exact same time transitioning out of the corporate world, learning, networking, growing a brand new business. I mean, how do you how do you stay focused? How do you keep yourself positive every day and motivated?
0: It's, uh, you know, it, it can be difficult with COVID and everything as much as, you know, now you're networked across the globe, you're still very much in a silo, right? So it's just, it's really a matter of you, you still have to get out there, meet people, but it, it's all about surrounding yourself with the right people, right? It will help with your mindset it will you know if i ever start feeling down i have people i can call up within the industry and say hey you know what's going on what are you working on and that really you know reinvigorates me right it's like oh this is what i'm doing this is why i'm doing it right it really helps recharge you it just so it's, it's really important to surround yourself with the right people
2: yeah the the, uh, the community is some is amazing with uh, especially with real estate investors Uh, you know that's what
0: makes it more fun
2: and and you know motivating
0: you know it's a great point that you touched on I would say that has a lot to do with my success as well Um, you know and and it's one of the things I hated about the corporate world was everyone was looking out for themselves whereas coming here I mentioned this early on it's like I've had the opportunity to get mentored and uh, you know by some really high-end people that Didn't have to give me the time of day.
3: Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's every, a lot of the people, I shouldn't make a blanket statement, but a lot of the people in the space have a a mindset of abundance, right? We, we want to help each other. And just like you said, like even with syndications, it's, it's about creating your why is to help yourself and to help others, right? And I think a lot of the people in the space, they have that. I mean, many of us have built enough for us to live comfortably now. And, You know, it's not. It's at some point it stops being about the money, right? And and it's we're not competing with each other. There is enough. There's enough out there that we can all help each other, and everybody can grow together. So yeah, we find we find that too. It's it's. I think it's an entrepreneur thing, as well. But as opposed to somebody in the corporate world, because there is a lot more competition in the corporate world. There's only that one promotion, right? And everybody's fighting for the same job, whereas. Whereas here, you, you know, you're creating your own promotions, you're creating your own opportunities so there's enough out there for everyone. And yeah, I know that's great. So yeah, before we end off, um, we wanted to ask you, is there sort of a, a quote or a saying that uh, you live by or helps you in your business or something that just maybe resonates with you that you'd be willing to share?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to touch on quotes because there's lots of them out there. And uh, I'll go back to, you know, you asked about how do you keep yourself, you know, steady and keep going towards the goal. It's first, you know, you have to know your why. You have to know why you're doing what you're doing. You have to know what your goal is. And then, you know, always reflect on what are you doing? Where were you? You know, for me, when I really start feeling down, I look at where was I a year ago? Where was I even, you know, a month or two months ago? And then I look at everything that I've done. I said, you know, it's as long as you're moving forward, that's the important part.
2: Yeah, actually, that just reminds me of this book we recently read called "Gap or Gain." Yeah, and amazing uh, book. It talks a little bit about you know we always kind of put ourselves down because we're not progressing as fast enough. But if we actually take a moment to reflect, like you said, about you know, even a couple of months compared to today, you've made progress.
3: Yeah, so. it's exactly that. Like, are you thinking of the gap? Or are you thinking of the gain? And there's always going to be a gap because you're always going to be setting new goals for yourself, which is, which is what propels growth, right?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, that's how you have to think. There's always going to be a gap. It's when you look at the gap or gain, the gain really helps you, you know, are you progressing? Yes or no. And the gap is still about how do I get to where I want to get to? I'm not where I want to be. But how do I get there? What tools can I use to get there? Who, you know, who can help me get to where I need to get to? And, you know, uh, great. another great book is The Who Not How. Um, exactly. you know, and I would just add the caveat, it doesn't necessarily have to be a person. It can be tools as well. There's so many AI tools available online now that you don't necessarily have to have like a VA in order to make your life easier.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I before we leave um what's the uh, best way for people to get a hold of you um your uh, your websites and um
0: social assets if you want to get a hold of me directly, you know, LinkedIn uh, is probably the best one. You can get a hold of me on Facebook as well. All my contact information is on my website. It's handsoffinvestment.com. If you're looking to learn a little bit more about syndications, uh, I have a free course on there. It's a seven book course uh, that you can kind of have a good understanding of how the syndication process works here in the States. And as a Canadian, uh, if you go to my education section i do have an ebook for international investors and how they can invest in the u.s and it'll give you kind of a high overview of uh, what the process is and what you need to look for
2: that's amazing yeah definitely
0: check those resources
2: out
3: yeah we'll put it in our show notes as well so people know how to reach out so again we appreciate your time it was great hearing from you and uh yeah uh, if anybody wants to check kamad out definitely uh, go to his website
2: investment.com.
3: Yeah. Thanks again, Kamad.
1: Oh, thank you guys. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now. So every message, every review and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.